Good morning to everyone. It's always a joy to be here, and uh, I like to think I'm here by grace, because I don't know when the National Guard is calling me to serve with them. I planned the whole first epistle of John, and I think that every day I come here and I get to preach God's word is a gift from God to me. So, (laughs) thank you. So, these days, through this sermon, I've been thinking a lot about my love story. How I have been dealing and how I have been learning to love. And I reminded my, the first time I ever was attracted to a girl. I was in kindergarten and I was such a beautiful girl. Brown eyes, dark brown hair, and her mom used to put on her those balls or something. It was so beautiful. And I was that little me like that. Wow. <laughs> so that was my first love experience. But when I grew up, I kind of learned more about love. I went into junior high school and high school and it begins that chemistry that is different and you one so hard relationship with a woman and but when I turned 23 I finally met Jesus Christ and my mindset on my concept of love changed now I think of love in a different way I want the best for that other person even if that means a sacrifice or suffering for me. And I learned that from my Lord. I want the best for that other person, even if that will bring suffering to me. So, loving is a difficult thing. And it's it's something difficult to learn how to love. So, it's a... Pretty interesting, these uh, comments on love that John is making to, to these people in the first century. And um, we're going to go into it today. So the title of this sermon today is Right Loving. And we will be looking at the verses uh, from uh, verse 3 to verse 11 in chapter 2. The main idea for today, or the proposition for today, is that loving the right way will help us to improve our fellowship with God. Loving the right way is going to help us to improve our fellowship with God. I remind you that the main theme of the first epistle of the Apostle John is fellowship, is communion with God. And in these verses today, we're going to learn how loving the right way is going to help us to improve our fellowship with God. And for that, I brought you two areas of our life in which we can learn or we can love the right way. The first one will be loving God. And... uh, I wrote you there, perfected love. We're going to see what is perfected love in these verses from 3 to 6. Let's uh, 
go into the text. And before reading the text, I want to pray. Father God, we're grateful for your mercies and for your grace. Thank you, Lord, because we can come today here and we can study your word freely in this country. Thank you because you have, we have your word clear and we can just apply to our lives this truth that the Apostle John gave to these people so long ago. Father God, we ask you for help in this moment. That our that the Holy Spirit in us may help us to understand your word and uh, receive your word and apply it to our lives today. Help me specifically to be true to your word in this time. We need your help, God. We ask you everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 3 begins, By these we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. In the two past sermons, we were looking at sin and how sin hindered our fellowship with God. And now here, the Apostle John switches to talking about another thing, talking about obedience and our fellowship with God concerning how we love God, in what way we love God. And uh, it begins, by this, we know that we have come to know him. I colored those letters in blue because uh, have come to know him is not the same that just know him. That's, it, that's in perfect tense. That means that we have an intimate, close knowledge of God. It's just know I know him. I just met him and I just know his name. No. It's by this we know that we have come to know him. That we have a real close and intimate knowledge of God. Of him if we keep his commandments. And the other thing that I colored in red so you may think about it it's a keep and abide those actions to keep and to abide are not one moment thing are continuous actions we cannot keep something for a little bit we normally keep stuff continually and when we say we abide, we, 
we abide for some time. So it's it's not one moment thing. Let's go to verse 4. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. In verse 3, John stated the big truth, but now in verse 4, he's referring to those people who are saying, I have come to know him, but are not keeping his commandments. And this is another way of being a liar. You said, I know God, I know who he is, I have an intimate communion with him, but you are doing whatever you want in your life then you are a liar. Because if you really know who God is, if you really know Him, you obey Him. Verse 5, now he goes to the positive example. But whoever keeps His word in Him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. The one who says he abides in Him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. When he is talking and saying that in Him, oops, sorry, when he is saying in Him, the love of God has truly been perfected. We have to understand that if we word it and we say in him, the love for God has truly been perfected. It's referring to the believer, to the person who is having this knowledge of God. In that person, when that person says, I know God and lives in a manner worthy of God, in obedience to God, then this love is perfected. We're going to talk more about that later on. The one who says he abides in him, ought himself to walk in the same manner that Jesus Christ walked. I brought you different misconceptions or mistakes, common mistakes related with knowledge and obedience. We're going to go through this and analyze this. This first one is obedience without knowledge of God. This is the kind of people they want to obey God, but they don't really know the character and the person of God. A.W. Tozer in uh, The Knowledge of the Holy said, It is impossible to keep our moral practices sound and our inward attitudes, attitudes right while our idea of God is erroneous or inadequate. So there are some people, they want to be obedient but they don't have a real knowledge of who God is. And uh, I gave you some example there. Mormons, 
We have Mormons here. I, don't, I haven't met personally anyone. But they don't really know God. One of the things they do is they deny the deity of Christ. They say that Christ is not God. So even if they want to be obedient, when their knowledge is not right, they cannot have a right obedience. Even if they want, they don't have it. Because they are taking, they are worshiping and they are loving and they are trying to obey a different God. And that's the same thing that happens with liberal Christians. They say, okay, we can have abortions and everything. They might want to please or obey God in different areas, but you have that area wrong. Maybe you're obeying it in all different areas, but you have a knowledge of God that is not good. So your obedience is not being the right obedience. So these people may, may end up having a wrong, a wrong worship or a wrong obedience to God. For a right obedience to God, we need the right knowledge of God. Now, this is the opposite now. We have a good head knowledge of God. We read the Bible. We know who God is. We know all the attributes of God. But we don't want to obey God. These are the kind of people. The case, what was happening there at that place. I, I talk, told you about that the, fair, the first day I talked about the letter. They had agnosticism or Gnostic influence in that church. It's, it's an influence from Greek mythology. They said that everything that was physical was bad and everything that was spiritual was good. So they denied that Jesus was a person. That's why in the beginning, at the beginning of the letter, John makes all that influence in we touch, we seen, we have seen because Jesus was real. The deal with this is that these people, the other characteristic of these people is that they, they try to say they had a special knowledge. They had like a special in turn knowledge that they reached of God. And this is what John is correcting here. Is you're saying you know God in that specific, special way? No. If you don't obey Him, you don't really get to know God. You don't have that special knowledge of God. What kind of people we can have today that claim to know God? We don't have that same people because we don't have Greek mythology influences in our life. But what kind of people we can have today? People who know the Bible and know who is God. But they refuse to obey it. People who, who read in the Bible and say, yeah, God is holy. But I don't care. I don't want to be holy. I want to live my life. 
or even people that are so obsessed with one part of the Bible that they don't look at other places. So they obey just partially, but there are places that they don't care. They have the knowledge, but they say, okay, I don't care about that other part of the Bible. So now that we look to those wrong examples, we're going to finally explain what is perfected love. I would like you to go with me to James 2, verses from 21 to 23. And I'm going to explain a passage with another passage that is even more complex, but let's see. James is explaining in this letter, specifically in this portion, how faith without works is useless. You cannot do a lot with a faith that doesn't have works. You cannot accomplish a lot with a faith that doesn't have works. And uh, he ends this section here giving two examples. Abraham's example and Rahab's example. We're going only to look through Abraham's example. And uh, 21 reads. Okay. It says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? 22. You see that faith was working with his works and as a result of the works faith was perfected and the scripture was fulfilled which says and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness as he was called the friend of God what I'm trying to explain I'm trying to to make clear is that Works or actions make our faith complete. We don't need works to be saved. But our faith to be seen needs to have works. To be complete, to be useful, our faith needs to have works. And... Uh, our love of God can be only perfected if we obey God. If we say we know God and we are doing whatever we want with our life, we don't know Him. If we say we love Him and we are living in whatever, however we want, our love is not real love. For our, our love to God to be perfected, it should be in obedience. 
The second area in which we can try to learn, or we can learn how to love so we can have a better fellowship with God, it's uh, loving our brothers, trying to get rid of hatred in our lives. It goes from verse 7 to 11 in the text we are looking today. And uh, John begins, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. So he says, I'm not telling you something new. It's, it's a commandment that that already Jesus gave us. We know it from the beginning, from the beginning of the proclamation of the gospel. And I brought you these verses, John 13, verses 14 and 15. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that's Jesus Christ talking, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And continues in verse 8, back in 1 John. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away. And the true light is already shining. He's telling them, we have this old commandment, but I'm going to give you a little modification. I'm going to apply it a little bit to today. Because uh, Jesus came, and we are in this process waiting for, for his final coming. So, he states this new commandment that is not new, it's an old one. On verse 9, the one who says... He is in the light, and yet hates his brother, is in the darkness until now. He's saying, if, if you say you're in, in Christ, but you're hating your brother, and you have a problem, you are not really there. 10. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling now he's describing the right loving the right position the one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for a stumbling in him but in verse 11 he begins with the opposite but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I didn't list it here, but in verse 11, we can see how is the life of this person that hates his brothers. First said, he is in darkness. Second one, it says, he walks in darkness. Third, does not know where he is going. 
And fourth, the darkness has blinded his eyes. A person who says is in Christ, but is hating people, there's no way that person can have a real communion with God. That person is, is living another life. It's, it's living in darkness, but it's not only living, it's walking daily in darkness. It's not living the way God has told us to live. It's not living in the manner that we should live. But although he's saying that this person doesn't know where he's going, when we are so full of hate, we our judgment is not really well. Think about it, and we're going to give some examples. When we are so full of hate instead of love, our judgment doesn't work the right way. That's why it says they don't know where they're going. And at the end, the darkness has blinded his eyes. We can never make good choices when we have hate for another person in our heart. That's for sure. Now, I brought you the practical part of this. Those are four different looks of hatred. That's how we behave when we are hating people. Normally, that's not exhaustive, but it's, it's a good. We may use cold indifference. We just... When that person tells us something, we say, oh yeah, that's fine. Or we just go and ignore that person. Is that right? Is that the right attitude? Are we loving people when we do that? Maybe you were mad at your wife or, or your husband and because did something. And you every time that person comes, you say, yeah, it's fine. Or whatever. And you treat them in that way that is not the normal way. Or you just don't want to talk. Indifference may be a way we are exposing, we are dealing with that hate. But vengeance or revenge. There are people that they don't rest until they make the other person pay. Can we do that with the brother of us? Can we have that attitude? No. Unforgiving spirit. This person tries but cannot forgive. Well, it's, I, have, I have had people like this in my life. They try to just try to live normal, the normal life, but they kind of, they don't process, process this. They don't go through this feeling. They don't go through, through the, the, the wrong idea to them. They just try to keep living. And they don't work on that. And the next time I see them, they look at them and oh, remember when you did that to me? They don't work on that. They just leave it there. And uh, finally, bitterness. Some other people, even when they kind of forgive you, they have that thing inside that 
makes them sad and, and, and made them change their, their mood and everything. Every time they remind what happened, they get sad or bitter. It's hard to live with these things. And uh, John is telling these people here, that's a very awful condition. You cannot say that you know God and, and you hate your brother. Personally, I brought you what for me has helped in the past. A couple of verses that has helped me in the past to go through these kind of things. I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you still are hating someone. It might be a brother or it might be just to someone somewhere. But these verses help me a lot. Romans 12, 18 and 19. This is the practical section of the letter to the Romans written by Paul. In, in this section, Paul gives a very, very useful ideas for us how to live. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. It's not his side, it's on your side, okay? If it depends from you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If you are one of those kind of persons that you need to be revenged, okay, you don't have to do it, okay? God will do it. Let it to Him. If you are that kind of person that you have the desire that that person pay, don't worry, okay? God will make him pay. That's not your business. That's not my business to take revenge. That's not my problem. If it depends on me, you be at peace with that person. I will be at peace with that person. Like verse 18 said, that has helped me a lot. To forgive people in my life. On my side, I'm at peace with you. If you are mad at me or whatever, I do my part. I try to be at peace on my side with you. And revenge is up to God. It's not up to me. Okay, the other verse that I use, a couple of verses that I use in these kind of situations. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pray. The only real choice we have is giving 
all our worries, all our troubles, all our problems to Him. That's the only way we will get real peace. So, if someone did something to us, if someone didn't act the right way, let's just give it to Him. That's not my problem. Okay? So, loving is a difficult thing. We have been looking to these two areas in which we can improve our loving. We can try to love right. We need to love right God. We need to show our love through obedience. We have to make love to be perfected through actions, through things we do. We have to really love God in, in a real way, not just by word. And uh, concerning our brothers, we should try to get rid of all kind of hatred, all kind of bad emotions or whatever we are storing in our heart against someone. We have to try to get rid of that. When we do that and we truly love God and we truly love our brothers, we will really have fellowship with God. I've oh, it goes up, went up. I brought you to finish John fifteen verse four that says this is Jesus in the, the upper room saying goodbye to the apostles and giving them some advice. It says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. If we want to be real fruitful Christians, who has a real fellowship, a real communion with God. We have to love God and love our brothers the right way. Then we will abide in Him and He will abide in us.